Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, good day, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time it is by you. Welcome to Line Drive Radio on this beautiful Saturday morning in both New York and Chicago, because that's where your boys are from. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board here on Long Island in the great state of New York, and it's time to bring in my Line Drive Radio teammate from the great city of Chicago, Mr. Tab Ever Tab. What's going down in Chi-Town? Well, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you for the last week because had we recorded uh, two or three days ago, both of your hosts of Line Drive Radio would have been coming to you live from the great state of New York. Uh, and we're going to dig into that today. But as I mentioned on the previous episode, and the reason that we've been uh, ghosts for a little bit here is because I was in beautiful Cooperstown, New York for a tournament with my son's travel team for the past week. Well, I was chilling and, uh, on the tip of Cape Cod in Provincetown, baby, with the fam, looking at your pictures from Cooperstown. Look at you. <laughs> crushing the game right now. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, I, you uh, you look like you're having a good time with the beach. Yeah, brother. And, I, uh... and I can't blame you. I mean, uh, there, there is a beach in Chicago, should you choose to accept it. Uh, many of us that live here don't, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it looks like we're, we, we've both had a week and a half here. That's been a little bit of a grind and not from a, a overworking perspective, but from a chasing the offspring perspective. Yes, no doubt about that. Yeah. We, uh, we last left off, uh, around the all-star break, took our own all-star break and we're swinging back, we're doing a little fireside chat here today, or, or as me and Tab want to call it a little, a little breakfast cigar and tea and coffee chat as we're doing today and uh just to get back in the swing of things before we roll into our regular broadcast of shows beginning next week at some point and we'll let you all know when that happens again. after the trade deadline which Ooh, uh, i thought it was over the yanks already got their guy it's done uh, well you know they <laughs> they need to they need to keep an eye out because it looks like we might have a, a fair amount of action coming here before the trade deadline had a uh, I would grade it as a relative blockbuster drop late on Friday night. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but you are absolutely correct that uh, the Yankees, I think this is one of those situations, Paul, where you hear Aaron Boone say, you know, if we get Severino back, that's like an acquisition at the deadline. So we're good. And a lot of times you just kind of like poo poo that like, oh, really? You're going to give us that? That's the best you're going to do is getting a guy back from injured reserve. Like, if you're a Mets fan, we love to trash Mets fans on this 
fine program or give them a ribbing or, or you know, taunt. We might have um, to tip the cap to them, though, but we'll talk about that we, later. We, we do. Uh, but with them saying, you know, if we get Jacob deGrom back for the second half, that's a huge trade. It is. But um, is that enough is the question. Uh, and uh, there's a, a gentleman who is currently playing for the Chicago Cubs, who I think a lot of people in uh, in your city uh, on the other side of town are hoping, crossing their fingers, uh, replaces another individual who used to be in Chicago uh, because James McCann has been underwhelming, to say the least, for the last mm, year. Unfortunately, Wilson Contreras on hug watch right now. <laughs> uh there are a lot of Mets fans that are salivating over the idea of adding that bat and style of play behind the dish uh, as they try to hang on for dear life after last year coughing up the uh, the division lead late and not even making the playoffs. And they're clinging into that three-game lead right now uh, over the Braves. So next week's show, we're going to have a lot to digest, a lot to go through with trade deadline stuff because there's I think there's going to be a lot of action and if, you know, if there is the uh, unthinkable, if Juan Soto gets traded, or depending on which insider you believe when Juan Soto gets traded, that is a complete game changer for all of baseball. Well, let me ask you, because you're an insider, and uh, my favorite insider. What, what's your quick take on, on Soto uh, and uh, this whole situation with him, how it works where he is in his contract, and, and, and what do you think should happen, and, and who do you think should be the, the team that goes and gets him? Oh, so that so lots to unpack there. So Juan Soto, he's got a ring. He is arguably one of the two, three best, I would argue, the number one, but obviously there's a case for your boy Aaron Judge, and there's some others you know in the mix there. Uh, for the conversation of the best hitters in baseball, he is 23 years old, which is which is what makes this such a unique proposition. He is so dang young, uh, but he has an agent, uh, he who shall not be named, uh, Voldemort, who uh, has a history of taking his players to market no matter what a team offers. And it appears that even though uh, the Washington Nationals reportedly offered $440 million, which uh, those of us in the state of Illinois for the first time in what feels like my entire life who didn't win the Mega, but reports this morning are that the $1.2 billion Mega had one winning ticket in the state of Illinois. Wow. Um, But uh, he turned that down. And understandably, the Nationals are like, if you don't want, you know, the biggest gross money that anyone's ever seen in professional sports, then we got to we got to make a business decision here. And uh, this is a guy who's got two years of arbitration left. You, you, I would conservatively guess that he'll make between 40 and 45 million over those two years in arbitration. Uh, I think 40 million is probably a number that he's looking at on an AAV Uh, on the next deal. Uh, I also think uh, and believe and have been led to understand that the uh, gross dollars on his next deal would start with a five and not a four. So Juan Soto and his agent believe that he could be professional sports first half 
billion dollar player. Um, and again, the unique proposition here is when you look at guys like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and uh, Salt in the Wound for Chicago fans, Jason Hayward, the reason that they get the money that they get is because they make their debut at a young age and they've got more of their prime left at like 25 to 33 window available to teams that sign them as an unrestricted free agent. And so uh, Juan Soto is going to be in that club. And he is, again, he has a ring at home. He is a devastating force from the left side of the plate, hits the ball to all fields. And so it'll be very interesting to see what happens here because I think that there are a lot of teams that could use him right now. There are a lot of teams looking at that two years of guaranteed club control could definitely make a, a really interesting play as a two-year rental, two, two-and-a-half, two-plus-year rental situation if he still absolutely positively wants to test the market. But that, I think, is the proposition that makes the value that Washington gets back so dang fascinating is if Soto and his agent are that set on going to market, one has to believe that that would diminish the overall return a little for what Washington gets. Now, I say that understanding that this has been said, and Jeff Passan of ESPN used the reference to the all-time infamous NFL landscape-changing Herschel Walker trade in which uh, the Dallas Cowboys traded the moron running for Senate to the Minnesota Vikings uh, for a bounty of draft picks that ultimately led to the dynasty of the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s. Um, and that's really what Washington is rightfully asking for. We want basically your entire farm system for this guy. And we want a couple guys that are ready now. We want some guys that are going to be superstars in a couple years. And when you look at teams that have that level of talent available, the list starts to shrink a little bit. And then when you look at teams that have the money available to spend on something like that, I think it shrinks a little bit more. And what's interesting is you hear teams that don't necessarily have a lot of wiggle room with the uh, luxury tax, like the Padres, the Dodgers being mentioned in the mix here. And you wonder, you know, if you're the L.A. Dodgers, you know, they, they, they made the bold move to acquire Trey Turner with Max Scherzer last year, understanding in the back of their heads that if and when Corey Seager walks, which he did, we moved Trey Turner who's an MVP caliber player over to shortstop and we don't miss a beat. Um, you know, is there a team that is, that has a guy that's going to move on to greener pastures and make big money in the case of the Dodgers? Is that Cody Bellinger perhaps who uh, are willing to mortgage a, a big chunk of a, and I mean, a plus level prospects and young players to go get this guy for a couple years and then see where the cards fall. Uh, financially with where the luxury tax is? Or is it a team that says, you know what, we want him, we want him long-term, we're going to bring him in and we're going to offer him $500 million over 10 or 12 years, make him the richest player the game's ever seen, uh, and it's worth us mortgaging a, a big chunk of prospects to go get him. And the team that I think fascinates me the most in the rumor mill is the St. Louis Cardinals because they've mortgaged prospects to go get Paul Goldschmidt, but a lot of people felt like the Cardinals got away with one because they didn't give away the, the shop to do that. 
And then they sold prospects to go get Nolan Arenado. And they, again, felt like they didn't give away the farm to do that. And they've got a real, lot of really good young players. I mean, on their active roster, that most of their outfields under 25 uh, or 26 years old. And then you look at some of the prospects that they've got coming in. St. Louis has got good depth, and they've never been afraid to spend money. And if they view him as an extension of the Goldschmidt, Arenado, top shelf, both of whom are right-handed hitters, so having the left-handed Soto to balance those two makes a lot of sense. How much are the Cardinals willing to go and play in that barrel, especially when you think about this is it for Pujols and Wainwright and Yadier Molina? Like, are they extra motivated being three games back of Milwaukee as we record this to go get a player of that caliber and that level of difference maker in the national league playoff race so that those three guys that mean so much to that franchise get one more run at a chip. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens again. Most of the, the, the big time uh, analysts are telling us that it's an assumed when not if, uh, mm-hmm. And so this is going to be a really, really busy three or four days here seeing what happens. But one of the teams that was hotly rumored to be in the mix because they've got a jacked farm system was the Seattle Mariners. And it appears that they mortgaged their future uh, late, late, late Friday night to make a blockbuster deal happen to augment their playoff chances this year. Uh, and they've been white hot lately. So uh, they might not have the horses left to make a deal. They, they I would argue that they might. Uh, but uh, Seattle making a bold play to go get Luis Castillo from the Reds last night, Paul. Yeah, I like it. I mean, this is what we want, right? As baseball fans, we want to see guys move. We want to see, um, you know, who's, you know, we, we, we talked about this, um, you know, at the beginning of the season. When, whenever we do this at LDR, we always kind of, you know, hop skip here a little bit from stone to stone and kind of see where, um, you know, teams you know, how they're going to manage everything. We, we've done everything from patience. You know, we discussed about, like, Gallo. Like, what, what, what are the Yanks going to do with, uh, you know, maybe Gallo here this week? You know, he's, he's probably gone. They've already made the trade there for Beninati. But all the different moves here. What the, you know, the Mariners are doing here, too, in terms of, um, you know, their season, how they make their moves. And, and, and with the wild card playing into everything, I think this trade deadline is going to be a hell of a lot different than trade deadlines in the past. Because teams now are obviously technically closer to getting into a playoff spot than they've ever been before where they might usually have been out. At least there's the extra spots to get in here. So GMs, management here, managers and everything else can kind of go out now and say, hey, look, you know, look at our pitching staff. Look at our roster if it's healthy. Um, look at the depth on the team. And, you know, maybe as good as the, the you know, the Yanks are playing, uh, you know, even though they, you know, they had a tough uh, couple spots there against the Astros and the Mets, you can look at the Astros, too, and then, you know, they've obviously had a couple good games here last night, a couple of nights against the Mariners, but they dropped three to the A's last week. So, you know, I, I still don't think this is a gimme or a given to any team that's at the top of their division, whether it's the Dodgers over in, in, in the West and in, in the National League or wherever else. I think everybody's got a kind of a good shot here. And these series that are going to be coming up here now in the dog, what they call the dog days of summer here in, in August – um, teams just need to be close, and I think looking at this trade deadline, look at the moves that were laid, made the last couple of nights, all, albeit some small moves. We haven't had that big blockbuster kind of deal. I mean, you could maybe look at, you know, what the Mariners did last night in terms of the, you know, what you're talking about here in terms of their prospects and everything else. And and I guess that's the catch. Twenty two here is is what are teams going to give up 
to get what they want to get to, you know, lean toward that, leading towards that little bit of excitement saying, hey, you know, we can get in there because, and I'll throw this back to you, if the Mariners, if it doesn't pan out for them, and what's it worth to them, Tab? Is it a first-round win? Is it just to get into the wild card? Um, you know, because if it falls flat and you look at those prospects or if Castilla gets hurt or anything like that, I mean, these are all, um, you know, all these different things that can happen here between now and obviously October, but... Um, in short, I think this trading de- this trade deadline this Wednesday is going to be a lot different, a, a different feel uh, than trade deadlines in the past. In the past, yeah, yeah, and and I think what makes it so fascinating is that you have um, some teams that ordinarily would be in buy mode, and and you know I I hopped on with the folks up in canada with tsn 690 in montreal earlier this week and one of the teams that i think is a sleeper in the juan soto derby is the chicago cubs not just because i enjoy watching the cubs but because even these days tab (laughs) well but but well here's here's the here's the here's the catch here the cubs have done a really good job of overhauling their talent pool as an organization in the last three years they did incredibly well selling at the deadline last year. By all indications, Pete Crow Armstrong, who they got from the Mets in the in the Baez trade, is now a top hundred prospect, and he's flying up the boards. Um, Killian, who they got from the Giants in the Chris Bryant trade, has already made a couple major league starts, and he's dominating the minors. So they, they've done a really good job of adding assets that would be intriguing to a team like Washington. But the Chicago Cubs are also a team that could and should have incredibly deep pockets and when you look at their roster commitments financially right now they're not spending anything so if there if there's a lurking juggernaut out there that could theoretically afford to throw 40 million a year plus at Juan Soto on paper there's maybe no big market team better position to throw a king's ransom at the kid than the Chicago Cubs because they're not spending anything and they've got pretty good organizational depth but and I see your hands in the air, and I think where where you're going with this is no. My quick question is is yeah. is uh, no trade clause like they have in hockey and stuff like that. Is, is that a situation here with Soto? Can he no. can he deny a trade here? Not yet. He's okay. still on. He's still on the rookie deal. You got to be uh, ten years in the league and five with the same organization, okay. um, and he's not quite there yet. But but I do think that this is a situation where you know the player and the agent are going to have some some weight because if they say there's no chance in hell we re-sign in Denver. It would be stupid for the Rockies to make a, an offer that mortgages their future, right? Yeah. So I, I think that there's got to be some level of understanding here that the agent and player are at least interested in being with the club that acquires him beyond the two years, unless the team is, again, relative, bold, 55-point font, relative discount. You're still going to mortgage your soul to get this guy, but – Maybe you keep one of your top ten prospects uh, in the deal um, to go get him because it's a two-year rental proposition, and you understand that going in because the agent tells everyone that they're not going to negotiate long term, even with a trade. So, um, so that that's what's fascinating. But looking at the Mariners' situation here for a second, um, you know, this is a team that Jerry Depoto has been uh, ready, willing, and able to make a deal anywhere, anytime. 
this is a guy who's openly said that when the winter meetings get bored, he'll make a deal just for the craps and grins of making a deal and getting a little buzz, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he went out on the free agent market this past winter and signed the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray. He's got a really good young right-hander in his second year named Logan Gilbert, who's really, really good. Uh, he's got an, a good veteran Marco Gonzalez to, to pair with Robbie Ray. Um, they've got a good young uh, starter who's now looking like he's going to slot in the probably like their fifth or sixth uh spot uh young mr kirby who's kind of getting towards that innings limit so that's why it makes sense for them but i think the reason that they paid as much as they did is because there's another year of control left for castillo and you've got some guys that have multiple years of control left that are going to go and that's where you get the most bang for your buck and so when you look at what what the mariners did here when you look at the wild card standings right now the mariners are in the second wild card spot in the american league uh, game and a half behind the Blue Jays for the top spot and a half game in front of the Tampa Bay Rays. But you've got a bevy of teams sitting within four games of that final wild card spot that's currently owned by the Rays, including, crazy as it might seem, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Cleveland's a game and a half back as we record this. Baltimore's only two back. Baltimore is closer to the wild card spot after rolling six and four in their last 10, then bought then the Red Sox and White Sox. And everybody thought the White Sox were going to coast into this thing. Uh, but here they are getting spanked by the Oakland A's at home. And Tony La Russa still has a job. God help us. So, and the umpires are against them too, as far as the well, White yeah, Sox. Tim, and Tim Anderson's going to probably miss some time for making contact last oh, night. Yeah, but, that was, that was a I mean, the Chicago Cubs, or the Chicago, <laughs> the Chicago White Sox are seven games under 500 at home which is a team that's supposed to win its division is not acceptable. Uh, but they you know, so you've got four teams that are within four games of Tampa for the final wild card spot. And you would have to believe that everyone in that list. And I think even the Texas Rangers to an extent, they're seven and a half back, but they just gave those massive deals to Seager and Simeon in the off season under the premise that they're building and they're looking at opening the window slowly as their prospects matriculate up. And they obviously don't have a problem spending half a billion dollars because they did it on two middle infielders last year. Um, you know, I think those are you know five teams in the American League that are really interesting. The National League's starting to sort itself out a little bit already. Uh, San Francisco's four games back of St. Louis for the the third wild card spot, and uh, St. Louis and Philly are actually tied for that spot right now, uh, with Atlanta six and a half games clear uh, in the wild card race, and San Diego two and a half up. So, uh, but when you look at what the Mariners are doing, uh, they are, to me, I think, look, they are one, I said before the season, they were my pick du jour. They were the, uh, the sexy pick to, to make a run. They're 17 and five in their last 22 games. Uh, the asterisk on that again, the massive asterisk is that all five of those losses have come to Houston who or in front of them in the division. So, you know, with, George Kirby nearing his innings limit, they're kind of in a spot there. But Seattle has uh, one of the young players that on our preseason show I picked to win the American League Rookie of the Year, and I'm looking like Nostradamus now. You sure are, pal. Though if you watched that dude in the minor leagues, you knew if he got up for most of a season, it was going to be a no-brainer. And that's Julio Rodriguez, who I think the whole world found out how special that kid is in the home run derby when he hit 81 home runs. 
but ran out of gas and Juan Soto beat him in the final. But they, they sold their soul. And when you ask me that question, and I give you all of that smoke uh, as uh, kind of context to answer the question, he said, what's it worth to the team? Mm-hmm. The Mariners are two decades removed from a playoff berth. Uh, 2001 was the last time the Seattle Mariners made the postseason. So they just want to get in and get a taste. And in Luis Castillo, who's been limited this year because he didn't pitch at all in April because of a a sore shoulder that cut his spring training short, um, this is a dude that's been an all-star a couple times. And again, he's got a year of control. That's why they gave up as much as they did, because they are desperate for a taste. Mm-hmm. And they paid dearly. Noel V. Marte, uh, the young shortstop that they included in the deal, is one of the top 20 overall prospects in baseball. Uh, with everybody that's getting promoted right now, he might be a top 10 guy by the end of the season. He's a, He looks like a stud. Uh, they got two shortstops in the deal, actually. They, the second, Edwin Arroyo, uh, was the Mariners' second-round pick last year out of Puerto Rico. And he doesn't turn 19 until August. So he's actually a young uh, prospect who's already got uh, almost a full year of professional experience before his 19th birthday. And then they got a couple good pitchers, Levi Stout and Andrew Moore, both of whom have got really fascinating stuff. So, I mean, this was a huge deal for the Reds. Most people consider this a huge win for the Reds to get that type of A-plus level talent, especially Marte and Arroyo, Stout, Great stuff, just has to you know hone it in a little bit and more as well. Uh, but to get two A plus top one hundred top seventy, I think prospects and Noel Lee Marte and Edwin Arroyo, the Reds did really really well, and they've got a they've got a thing coming. They're stockpiling and they're they're building something good. But for the Mariners, that the cost of doing business is kind of like when people looked at the Cubs and like, why on earth would you give up an A plus prospect like Labor Torres for two months of a role as Chapman? Because he hadn't won a World Series in 108 years. <laughs> and prospects are cool. Parades are cooler. And the Cubs did that to get a parade. And obviously, you know, Glaber started out hot in New York. But I think things simmered down a little bit as he struggled defensively with the move back to short and the arm injury and everything else. And then the bat started to struggle a little bit. But, uh, but the Cubs paid a, a pretty significant price to go get it. And then, you know... Later on, they paid another epic price to try and make another run for it. And more importantly, keep uh, Jose Quintana out of Milwaukee and gave Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease, who's one of, if not the top strikeout guys in all of Major League Baseball. They gave them to the White Sox for Quintana, and that didn't work. And that's I bring those two trades up because those are the two where you mortgaged your soul to go for it. And in one instance, it worked. And in one instance, it didn't. And that's the risk that every single one of these GMs is going to have to justify between his ears and with those around him in his inner circle or her inner circle in Major League Baseball in the next few days. Is how much of my soul am I willing to mortgage and how much do I think that what I mortgage to get this one or two guys or maybe three, are those guys the missing pieces to make this a complete game changer for us as an organization? Clearly, the Mariners thought a year and a half of Luis Castillo was worth selling really, really significant pieces. And every other organization that's going to chase Juan Soto, if you believe Shohei Otani uh, could potentially be available. I mean, you're going to see Wilson Contreras is going to probably get a really nice premium for the Chicago Cubs in the next few days. Um, 
but you've got some big time players that are on the market and every single organization that wants to do that dance is going to have to ask, is this guy the guy that changes the dynamic of our organization, not between now and the end of September, but between now and November 1st. And Tab, with that said here, and you know, we're, we're going to try and get into this a little more, you know, some point uh, before or by Wednesday next week. And, and obviously, you know, speculation is, is the big thing across the board here as far as, you know, Wednesday's trade deadline. You know, we're, we're talking about the Mariners here, and, you know, you, you take a team like Cincy and, you know, the, you know, say the lower teams in the standings here are going to jockey here and, and try and get some, you know, they're going to give up some prospects, obviously, and they're going to, uh, you're going to have teams that are obviously going to look to gain prospects here. One thing I want to ask you here, too, is, is if you flip this around now and, you, and let's talk about the big boys. And then we had a big discussion about this uh, a couple episodes ago uh, about patience and, uh, you know, whether the, the, the top teams here, whether they panic, what chances do they have to take? What kind of pressure do they have? You know, whether it's the Astros and got to get a championship win for Dusty Baker here. Time's running out a little bit. Uh the Yankees, who, as great a season as they're having, and this lineup wasn't supposed to do what they were supposed to do, and a guy like Judge just kind of threw it all up there and took a chance and says, I ain't going to sign a contract. Let's just see what happens. It's working out great for him as far as that goes. Yeah, um, talk about getting paid. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, the Mets, the money that they've spent in, uh, in flushing here, the money that the Dodgers have spent here, uh, the pressure on uh, you know these these big boy teams that are – running away with things here a little bit as far as the division. The pressure on maybe a team like Milwaukee, always winning the division but never doing anything in the playoffs. How do you think that plays in a little bit here coming up on Wednesday, maybe just touching on it a little bit, maybe maybe there's one, two teams that stand out for you that say, hey, these guys got to do something or these guys just got to do the old, just relax. It's, it's, it's not August yet. It will be on Monday, but... Just your take there on, on how the big boys look at this trading deadline. Well, that I think that what's what's interesting there is you have some big boys that I think have to be mindful of what's going on around them. If you're the New York Yankees, I think obviously with where you're at and with Aaron Judge doing what he's doing, you don't want to waste a potentially historic season by him, right? He hit his 41st home run last night at Grand Slam. He is the third player in Yankees history. Fun fact for you here, Yankee fan. Uh, third Yankee in history to have 40 jacks before August. Mm-hmm. The other two seasons in which it happened, Babe Ruth hit 60 and Roger Maris hit 61. Uh, and so if you're the Yankees, which, by the way, if I'm Aaron Judge, you know what I'm changing my walk-up song to? Put your money on me by the struts. <laughs> and I'm looking straight at Brian Cashman's box every time I dig in. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a little rebuttal of this in a, in, a, in a few minutes yeah. there, but continue, sir. But if you're the Yankees, I think you're in tinker mode when you look at you know where you you might worry about maybe some of the arms in the bullpen fraying a little bit. I think you know a logical reunion there would be David Robertson from the Chicago Cubs, a uh, guy who I think a lot of Yankees fans loved for what he did for them for as long as they did. He's having a great season when you talk about teams that are in rebuild mode a plus signing by the cubs a guy who was out of baseball pitched in the olympics got back in the game signed with the cubs and one-year deal cubs are like we're bringing you in 
with the intent of flipping it for assets and you're going to go to a winner, just go and pitch your tail off. And he's done that. And now he's got a lot of value. He's a closer mm-hmm. who can pitch in a lot of different ways and he knows Yankee Stadium. But if you're the Yankees, I think you do that. But I think the other thing in the back of Brian Cashman's mind, as comfortable as he is with a 12-and-a-half game lead, he's got to be looking down at Baltimore saying, oh, my gosh. They're actually in the wild card mix right now. And you look at that lineup and you look at what they've got coming, and my God, when they finish puberty, what are we going to do about ourselves here? Because Boston looks like they're going the wrong direction. I mean, great party for Poppy this weekend, but – they're going the wrong direction. Tampa's obviously going to be a team that's interesting, but I think injuries, especially to guys like Wander Franco and Tyler Glass now have hurt them. Um, but if you look at what Baltimore's building and the fact that I would submit that them being two games over 500 heading into August is a surprisingly great number for them after where they were last year. And again, they've got a lot of guys finishing puberty, jumping into that major league lineup, and they've got more coming. Um, you got to be looking at, like, you, if you're the Yankees, you want to finish this year and you want to finish it with a parade. But you got to be mindful of how much of the future are we willing to sell and how many of these guys do we need to stay where we are right now, knowing that at some point Glaber's probably going to move on. So Anthony Volpe is going to need to be our shortstop, knowing that Aaron Hicks is going to move on, uh, you know, with Tiger Woods' niece. And then you're going to have, <laughs> theoretically, Jason Dominguez take over center field. So, but you've got these pieces and and so you've got to look at like that. If you're the Yankees, it's a different animal because you're looking at win now, which we've been saying all year, but you've also got to look at that two, four, six year window because you know what Baltimore's building and they're way ahead of schedule. As far as I'm concerned, if you want a big dog that I, I use air quotes, big dog that really needs to do something dramatic at the deadline. For me, it's the Chicago White Sox. Okay. Because they are so underwhelming. They're under 500, as I already said. They're seven games under at home. They've lost their last two. They're five and five in their last ten. They've been treading water in the mediocre pool the entire season, and they were supposed to run away with a division in which we didn't know really how Minnesota was going to look after a lot of moving pieces. Obviously, they brought in Correa, who's gotten opt out after this year, but with you know moving on from Donaldson and theoretically starting a, a retool rebuild with the Barrios trade to Toronto last year. Uh, but then, you know, jumping into the mix and trading for Sonny Gray in the off season, we're kind of like, what are you doing here? Are you shuffling chairs on the Titanic or what is this in Cleveland? You know, Lindor leaves and we assume that they're going to rebuild and Jose Ramirez is going to go. He signs a long-term extension. Here they are one game back. If I'm the Chicago White Sox and injuries have been a huge part of it, but at some point, you got to look at your lineup and say, Yon Mankata is barely hitting 200. Yasmani Grandal is barely hitting 200. Uh, Luis Roberts missing in action. Eloy Jimenez has missed a lot of time. You know, we've got a bunch of young pieces that are good, but Gavin Sheets is a first baseman playing in the outfield. Andrew Vaughn's a first baseman playing in the outfield. I can't fathom that Jose Abreu goes anywhere. You know, your pitching staff, you've got Lance who hasn't been quite what you would want. I would say, in many of his starts this year. Dylan Cease is great, and he's young. Giolito kind of has been underwhelming this year, but this is a team that was supposed to run away with their division. They sh- they should have had, on paper, as we talked back in March, this is a team that should have had a 7-8-9 game lead in this division based on what they had coming to the table. And they're three games back, and it's not working. And I think we both acknowledge that when the owner – hires his friend to be the manager and brings him out of retirement after 10 years. 
that's not going to be the change that happens, even if it's what needs to be. Mm-hmm. So if Tony LaRusse is going to keep calling the shots, what do you need to do to augment the lineup and shake things up dramatically enough that it lights a fire under their keisters and gets them winning games? Um, because that's a team that's clearly going for it in their window, and it's not happening, and that's not acceptable. Because what happened the last time the White Sox went for it like this and it didn't work? Fire sale. Chris Sale, gone. Adam Eaton, gone. So, and you've got, and the hard, the rock in the hard place for Rick Hahn, the GM, is he's been, I think, hamstrung by the owner hiring the manager out from under him. And so if you're Rick Hahn, you've got to kind of wonder, you know, what's my job security level look like right now? Because I didn't hire the manager. Most people in Chicago would say the manager is a big part of the problem. But, you know, how much do I really shake this up and do something bold to go for it when the problem is, in some respects, the players, but mostly it's the manager? Are are you... He, he, I would, I think the hardest spot in all of Major League Baseball right now is Rick Hahn because he's supposed to win, he's not winning, and he doesn't know how what ownership's going to do about him and his job because it was the one guy on the roster that he didn't pick, the manager, that I think is handicapping the entire situation. So how much do you mortgage your future thinking that you can go get it when it, the guy calling the shots is the biggest problem? Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's funny and and being out here on the uh, on the East Coast here and you know obviously talking a lot of White Sox with you the last uh, you know two seasons here you know it's 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 funny to kind of see them almost drop out of the headlines too as well and we had a lot of talk about with the White Sox as far as um, you know poking a little fun here at Larusse and everything else and, and and how they built this lineup and everything and, and to kind of see them you know drop off a little bit especially in that division as well too is 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 kind of weird to see and and. And then I, and and you bring up a great point, like as far as what I was saying before. What do the big boys do? What are they kind of, you know, um, what kind of decisions they make here? And I just don't. I guess you know you're in town there. You, you know, I, from a baseball standpoint, for me as a regular baseball fan, it just whatever the Sox do to me, I just don't think it's it's not going to do anything. It's not going to get them there. You know what I'm saying? I think they're uh, to me, you know, they're like an afterthought. You know. Um, but, but that's the whole, that's the whole point. And you're right. And they, it goes back to what I was saying about teams like the Mariners. They don't intimidate anybody like they, they, they had, yeah. had been, you know what I'm saying? Like they should, like, like yeah, they exactly. should, yeah. teams should look at that lineup and be like, oh my gosh, Anderson, Robert, Mancada, Abreu, Grandal, Jimenez, Vaughn, like, oh my gosh, how the hell are we going to deal with this? Like that's, you look at teams like the Yankees and the Astros, theoretically on paper, like you should be having that kind of a kumbaya, right? But it's not there and it's not clicking. There's something about the dynamic that isn't working. And I submit that what's not working in that dynamic is the guy that's pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's a tough situation. And the flip side, you asked about the Milwaukee Brewers. You are adopted Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> what's really interesting there is, you know, in the past, they've gone for it, right? They made the huge deal uh, to go get Zach Granke. And that actually helped Kansas City win a World Series and not Milwaukee. And then they made the huge deal to go get CC Sabathia, and he had one of the all-time great last two months in all of baseball history, but it didn't work. Uh, they made the big deal to, to get Christian Yelich, and you know for a little bit there he was an MPP caliber guy. And they're sitting there three games up, 
but the difference now is that they've got a front office that's really playing and working in a Tampa Bay mindset where they would rather develop these guys and have homegrown affordable studs filling the lineup out than mortgage for do what Seattle did. Do we have a really good system? Absolutely. Could we make this move? Absolutely. But we're not a team that's going to wade into the $180 million payroll range. We're not going to go push the luxury tax in Milwaukee. Uh, Wrigley North, as we like to call it. So <laughs> you, they're, they're interesting because, again, if St. Louis is going to play in the Soto sweepstakes, I think Milwaukee has to be like, at some point, we got to do the thing. And we've talked about this in the past, Paul. You know, when Pittsburgh had that great team with Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon was winning an MVP, and they had so many things going right, Starling Marte and Gregory Polanco, that really good young team. They never pushed their chips in, and that was frustrating because it's a team that's not going to spend that has it, right? Mm-hmm. And they need that one or two other guys to make it the thing. Take it to capital bold it, and they never did it. And Milwaukee's done that, but it hasn't turned out, and you've got St. Louis creeping. And then the rest of the division, Cincinnati obviously is bottoming out. Pittsburgh's fallen a game and a half back of the Cubs now. Uh, the Cubs are actually seven and three in their last ten uh, because you know why would they want to have the best odds for the first pick when they can <laughs> just kind of float around? But that'll all change if obviously they move their closer, their all-star catcher, and their center fielder here in the mm-hmm. next few days. But you know if if you're the Brewers and the Minnesota Twins right now, I think you've got to look around and say, man, like we're not we're not going to be a big spending team but what can we do for this year and maybe a year and a half to really go for it and that's why i tip my cap to what seattle did with the castillo deal because they looked at a guy who's got a year and a half of control and they're interesting right now and they've got young pieces reaching the major leagues right now and they said screw it we're going maybe castillo's the guy we'll find out in the next 3 months here but I look at Minnesota and Milwaukee in the central divisions leading them respectively, and I say, you know, I would love to see them make make a bold enough move to make things really interesting. Because as we've said for a year and a half here in LDR, you get in, anything can happen. It's the matchups and health situation when you get in the playoffs. The right two pitchers change absolutely everything. One hot hitter can change absolutely everything. Uh, and But I don't think right now the Milwaukee Brewers on paper can dance with the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets, or the Braves. Absolutely not. There's no way. And if the Cardinals go get Juan Soto, they're screwed. I'm just yep. going to say it. They're screwed. Mm-hmm. And they're screwed for five years. Yep. Yep. So if you're Milwaukee, I think, again, going back to that Yankees you know, comment that I made, you've got to look at this thing from a macro and look at we've got an immediate situation that could be intriguing. But then what's the two, four, six-year horizon look like for the future of this organization relative to the sleeping financial giant in the Chicago Cubs that are going to theoretically spend at some point here that have done a really good job of overhauling their system? And the Cardinals, who, by the way, have their entire front office and representatives from ownership in the on the road in Washington this weekend discussing what they're going to do. So... You know, that's where I, I look at this, and you've got some teams that I think need to make a desperate move, like the White Sox. Uh, and you've got some teams that strategically need to really consider how many chips they really push in here. I think Minnesota and Milwaukee fall into that category. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's, uh, you know, just look, look, let's put it this way. No matter what goes down here over the next couple of days with the trade deadline, you know, there's going to be so much to talk about, and it's going to be, uh, it's something to look forward to. And I'll tell you right now, uh, with the new wild card system and everything else, and this this wild card race is going to be a ton of fun, too. It's great. It it's is. Great for it, baseball. It, Rob Manfred hates baseball, but he did that right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he got one thing right. <laughs> and, um... And just swinging back, last point on, on the big boys here, too, and as far as, you know, what it means to these particular franchises as far as this season is concerned. No matter where teams are at financially, and, and real quick on the Yanks here, too, as far as the – and I, I don't see the Yankees, or me as a fan, I don't – I'm not worried about the Baltimore Orioles in six years here. I, I think, you know, I'm just kind of trying to look at it as a – you know, Aaron Boone, Cashman, the Yankees, this run, where they're at, it's almost like – you know, they're one of the teams that have to say, we got to win this year. You know, you bring up Judge and the magical season and everything else. Like, Judge is an individual. He's going to be set for life here. He's having a fantastic uh, season here. I think, you know, real quick on the Yankees, too, what you look at is, is that doubleheader against the Astros and then the two-game set against the Mets, you know, where those guys struggled. And, um, you know, the, 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 and the, the team mentally in that, in that type of playoff atmosphere, the Yankees didn't come through. Yeah, they come back and they beat the you know the Orioles and they can uh, you know can, they can beat the the Royals here. Uh, they seem to have a way. The thing I'll take away from the Astros and the Mets is you know it, most of the teams pretty much have to pitch a perfect game against the Yankees. Combined with the Yankees having to make mental mistakes and you know this 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 situation here of leaving a lot of guys on base is is got to be uh, handled with regards to playing playoff caliber teams. And I think, you know, as as, as cocky, um, I'm one of the big guys, and as cool and calm as I can possibly be here as a Ranger fan, uh, Yankee fan, not necessarily worried about anything yet. But if there's anything that we worry about, and this comes into judge too, is everything that's going on here in the regular season, me and you have brought this up so many times, it means nothing as far as, you know, you get into a, a playoff series and a couple of, you know, hot pitchers and everything else. So I think that's the underlying worry here. When Yankee fans watch that two-game set against the Astros, a doubleheader there, and then they watch the games against the Mets, which absolutely mean nothing in the standings. They mean nothing. And the Mets can go have that parade and take the two wins. It's fine. And um, But we as fans, too, and me and my guys were all talking about it, I was actually kind of, if, if that's when you want the, the Yanks to lose to the Mets and the Astros, it's then, in the middle of July, towards the end of July or whatever, before the trade deadline. So Boone... And Cashman, they can look and see, okay, well, this is where we've got some issues there. And they go and get better on everything else. And they've got some pitching things that they got to do and everything else. But it's almost like that's the underlying fear is that, yeah, Judge can, he can hit 70 home runs and stuff. But he gets, if he gets locked down in a playoff series as a franchise, as one of the big buys I'm talking here, it means nothing. You look at the Mets and all the money they've spent too. If they get in there, I mean, they look pretty well-rounded. I got to say, I was really impressed with how they played those uh, those two games uh, against the Yanks. It was good stuff. I think it was maybe more for them and their fan base and everything else in terms of more of them, too, as an ego as far as, you know, the Yankees being the Yankees and the Mets getting in there. And I think it was good for them as an organization and, and a couple of great games there in City Field for them and everything else. Um, you know, and this gets back into, you know, Houston. You know, what do they do here? And we haven't even talked about Tampa Bay and Toronto, and what kind of moves they might have tinkered to, again, uh, get a shot at it, you know, it, to play against Houston or the Yankees in the World Series. So, um, 
it's going to be fascinating. It's 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 really cool to to kind of see how this is going to play out here uh, for this particular trade deadline with the way the uh, uh, the wild card is set. So and and me and you, like I said, we're hockey guys. It kind of gives you that whole thing. It it really does. It really puts in this thing like, and that's the fear I'll get in with the Yankees or even the Astros too. Like I said, they. You know, it's it's a long season. You're going to have some letdowns, you know. But seeing them lose to the A's last week was like, what? Really? You know, and then they come back. The, and they A's, the A's who were 8-2 and two in their last 10. I know, which is with crazy. With a strip down. But that's baseball, man. I know. That's baseball. what that's what I'm getting at. It's, it's The like, bottom of the barrel can roll really off nine is, wins yeah. in a row. It's, it's something else. And I guess, you know, that's where I'm kind of getting back to. Where, where do you... And I think that's, I keep saying, repeating that. I think that, I think that, because I've got like 17 different type of personnel people that have to make all these decisions now, scouts, ownership, the financial part of it. What do you do? Where do you pull the plug? Because even in baseball, too, you know, you can go for it. Yeah, uh, Mariners get Castillo, but he could get hurt tomorrow. I mean, look what happened to King last week with the Yankees, right? I mean, it Mm -hmm. could just... Really, your 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 team could be just, you know, devastated by a major corner. The Yankees haven't had a major injury yet on the team besides King. Go knock on wood right now. Go knock on wood right now. And Stanton, too, with the IL with his Achilles here. But they've got the guys. They've got the bats that can do it. So, anyway, just good stuff here. And, and, and it's just, we just don't have enough time to, to do it here on today's show. But, um you know, I can't wait to see things how play out. And obviously, everybody's as a fan of every individual team. No matter where you're at, if you're a team that's totally, completely out of it, you're you're buying in because what is my team going to do to keep me coming back over the next five to six years? Whether it's the Texas Rangers, whether it's the Baltimore Orioles, and then if you're a team that's in the hunt right now, or a team that's running away with a division, a team that's got a playoff spot locked locked in, and you look at those other three or four teams that you might end up playing, whether it's in the first round, second round, how are you going to match up? How is your team playing? How is it uh, adding adversity? You know. What do you do? The pressure and the money that's being spent. Uh, and that's, again, that's another show for us, too. Is I still don't know where they're getting all this money from for these guys. But it's unbelievable. But anyway. Pig, check, check your cable, Bill Paul. Yeah, man. It's uh, that amongst uh, very other stuff. And I know there was, uh, like I said, remember that the, there was a tweet last week. A guy was putting up prices for beer and tickets and stuff. I don't know where he got that. I think he ripped it off like something no, like Yeah, it was, it was a garbage list because you're not parking for $18 at Wrigley Field. Yeah, no, not at all. But, um, yeah, and, I guess... And if you can get a beer for 6 bucks, let me know where the vendor is because I haven't seen it in a couple years. Yeah, not even in, uh, you know, AAA. Uh, you can't get beers for 6 bucks. I think it doesn't happen, you know, unless it's nickel beer night, you know. <laughs> in which case, you bring quarters and have a night. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, uh, it's a quick rundown for us today on the... On, on where the possible trade stuff is, and we'll get more into it next week. I think what we want to do now, though, is uh, I, I want to do this with you, too. And um, before we kind of get out of here today, I want you to talk about um, Cooperstown here a little bit. I know you did that trip. And um, and then we'll maybe uh, wrap up here with a, a fantasy ad. I mean, there's, there's like 400 things I wanted to get to today with you. We just don't have the, uh, uh, the time to get into it. But we're, we're going to get back into our regular um, flow of shows here for the rest of the season. And I would appreciate you guys' patience and stuff. But, Tab, like I said, you were on the road last week. Tell us why you went to Cooperstown. Uh, talk about the trip a little bit, and then and then we'll wrap things up with a fantasy ad here. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, one of the unique experiences, and I think anybody that's listened to Line Drive Radio over the last year and a half or follows me on social knows that um, 
for the last four years or so here, I've, I've helped coach a uh, travel team for my son, who is now 11 years old. And he's playing on a 12U team uh, this year, or played, I should say, now past tense. Um, and at 12U, one of the unique opportunities that you have is there are a couple outfits in, in and around Cooperstown that have massive tournaments every summer for just that age level. And, uh, and it's kind of, uh, it, it's, uh, it's kind of a rite of passage in travel baseball to go up to Cooperstown and all the kids look forward to it. We've been talking about it for more than three years with these kids there. Uh, and, uh, so you, you look forward to it. There's all this buildup and then you go and we just went, uh, last, uh, Thursday, we drove up to beautiful Niagara Falls and, and had, a, had a day and then hoofed it over to beautiful uh, Oneonta, New York, uh, Cooperstown All-Star Village, uh, and took part in uh, an experience that I will comfortably say lived up to absolutely all of the hope and hype and buildup. There were, I think, 62 teams in the field. Uh, all the kids live in bunks together with coaches. I <laughs> was one of the coaches that lived in the bunks. Uh, so odor eaters uh, were definitely uh, one of the trendy things to pack, uh, as was Bino. Uh, the kids will tell you that uh, one of our coaches and myself volleyed like Venus and Serena after the kids fell asleep, or maybe we kept them awake. Sorry, parents. Um, you know, especially after tacos. But um, <laughs> but look, so the way they set this thing up, you, uh, you play a, a lot of games. But one of the day, it's a doubleheader every day. But the, one of the days they plan it so that you've got like eight or nine hours off in between games, and every kid on the team gets a ticket to the Hall of Fame. Wow! And that's part of this whole experience. As you go to Cooperstown, obviously the Hall of Fame should be at the top of your list, and I've said it for a while now. Make sure that you go uh, because it, the Hall of Fame. It, as you know, I've worked with the Hall of Fame. I, I love the folks that live up there. Um, it's, it's an incredible place. Uh, well, the, we got our tickets and our big window on the first day of the tournament, which was Saturday, one week ago today. Well, if you look back at your calendar, what was, what was last weekend? Induction. Mm. And so the day before induction, our team was in downtown Cooperstown visiting the hall of fame with thousands of other people. Therefore, all of the festivities, the parade was that night. Unfortunately, we had to be back on the field, so we didn't get to see the parade. But you know, I wore my Escojitos de Leon hat, which was the Dominican team that David Ortiz had played for. And I had about a dozen uh, folks who were in Cooperstown from the Dominican uh, chat with me about that hat and appreciating. And it's uh, the vintage of when David was playing there. So, awesome. you know, I, I, I played those cards right pretty well. But it was a fun time because we got a lot of Sox fans on the team, and Minnie Mignoso finally was able to go in. Uh, saw my my dear friend Adrian Burgos Jr., who uh, was uh, the historian that was on the committees that voted for uh, the group of players who weren't on the the writers' ballot. So Tony Oliva, Jim Cott, Kurt Flood, Minnie Mignoso, uh, those folks that got in. Um, he was on the committee. He was the historian on that committee, and he was in town for that with his daughter. And so it was great to reconnect with him uh, and spend some time with him. 
uh, in the gift store with, again, thousands of other people. Uh, and as they say, as they said in Ghostbusters, everybody these days has a third mortgage. And here I am coming home from Cooperstown with needing a fourth. Um, but, uh, but the Hall of Fame was great. But that was a couple hours. Uh, we played nine games in four days. Uh, and the kids battled their butts off. And when it ended, the kids cried and most of the parents cried. And, uh, I wrote a a little ditty about it that we'll, uh, we'll tweet out from the LDR, uh, Twitter handle for Bleacher Nation about the trip and kind of the finality of the situation because these kids, they went through a lot of adversity in this tournament. Uh, you know, my kid got plunked pretty good. Uh, one of our pitchers got hit in the hand and, and couldn't throw for a day or so. Um, you know, we we blew a, a lead against a team and had to come back in dramatic fashion. Uh, you know, the kid that was pitching that gave up five runs when we only had a two-run lead was devastated. And I looked him in the eye and said, you're going to walk this, you know what, off. So you just keep your head up and the other bats are going to get you in a position to walk it off. And God help us if that kid didn't actually walk it off about 40 minutes later. <laughs> um, but it, it, was, uh, it was a journey. Uh, and uh, when... Uh, at about 10:30 p.m. Eastern, when we uh, cleaned out the dugout for the last time, it was tough because yeah. these kids have become really like family, and a lot of the parents, you know, we hang out off the field together. Uh, you know, when the kids aren't playing and when we're on the road together, uh, we have a good time, and a lot of us have really become uh, really, really close friends. And the kids are all really, really close friends. But at 12U, the reason it's emotional is a lot of teams get to 12U and then they break up and a lot of the kids will go to position themselves with programs as you get to 13 and 14 that are going to be, you know, more advantageous for where, you know, they might want to go to high school. So there are programs that some high schools will have relationships with, or they're going to be coaching styles. You know, we had dads coaching our team. A lot, most of these kids are going to go play for teams that are going to have paid coaches now because you get to the point that you really need, more advanced coaching than what dads, even with high school and college uh, players, uh, can provide. Learning to throw breaking balls the right way, uh, learning to really hone in on your craft. And so, you know, realistically, I think there's going to be, I think, three kids on the same team, two on another, but most of these kids are breaking up and going their separate directions. And so it was, it, it was an emotional climax to four years of these kids playing together because they really became a family and so it was uh it was an incredible experience if you get the chance to go play in one of those tournaments cannot recommend it highly enough even if the ac doesn't work in your bunk like we had the first night oh. <laughs> uh everything is uphill paul my calves are going to be sore for another week uh i probably donated 10 pounds to the, to the <laughs> campus which is great because I took one of the X's off of my T-shirt size. Nice. Um, <laughs> the good news, I and I would recommend to everyone, uh, if you're so inclined, uh, I did pack 30 extra pounds to, to leave there, and I, I gave 10 of them back. So <laughs> good start to my summer workout regimen as we get to the end of it. Um, but it, it was really an incredible time. And so, you know, taking my, my son to the Hall of Fame for the first time and getting I said, which plaques do you want pictures with? 11-year-old kid, you'd think, you know, maybe he's going to go see Jim Tomey, which he did. But the first one he was looking for, I want to see Roberto Clemente. I want to see Louis Aparicio. I want to see Ernie Banks and Billy Williams and Babe Ruth. Uh, and those are the guy, Those are the plaques that he went and got his picture taken with. It's awesome. Uh, mo- mostly the old guys that who were retired 
in many instances before I was born. Mm-hmm. Inducted in the hall before I was born. Um, and, and then, you know, we got to see, you know, the, the Babe Ruth's full uniform. We got to see Clemente's jersey. Uh, really incredible stuff. And, you know, shout out to the Hall of Fame because, again, I love those guys. I uh, got a really nice call from John Chestakovsky, who unfortunately was under the weather. Uh, he busted a positive on COVID before induction weekend, and that's kind of his his jam. So, uh, but got a really nice call from him on Wednesday as I was, or Thursday rather, as I was driving home. Uh, you know, we left a pin behind for him, and he was back in the office finally coming out to the other side of COVID. And so he called and we caught up. Uh, but it really wasn't about going to the Hall of Fame. As special as it was to see my son interact with that history and really love it and take it all in, it was about the kids yeah. and them playing together. And uh, as I wrote in that in that piece, it, 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 there's a cliche, and sometimes it feels tongue-in-cheek to say, how can you not be romantic about baseball? But at the end of that week, uh, as, I, as I've tweeted, uh, I fell in love with baseball all over again watching my 11-year-old uh, and ball his eyes out when he had the realization that, I mean, he's he's played with his buddy Shea for, I think, five or six straight years, and they're going different directions next year. Wow. And that was hard on both of them. And i got to yeah. be honest, they've won, a, they've won a championship. They've got a ring from every year that they've played together. <laughs> so I told his dad, we're going to come find your ass when you're playing somewhere and you're going to play in a championship game because if your kid's getting a ring or my kid's getting a ring, we got to get a picture with one of them holding the ring. Yeah, because it's an annual thing that we do. Um, but it was uh, it was really, really special. And it was a really good group of families, really good group of kids. And uh, I know Bobby's going to miss the hell out of them. And so am I. So uh, Cooperstown was an amazing week. Uh, and again, it was it was something that I will remember forever. And I'm sure Bobby will, too. That's fantastic, man. Thanks so much for sharing, man. Sounds like, um, like I said, memories are uh, the best. And no doubt about it, you know, yourself as a dad here and a coach and stuff. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, uh, I appreciate you, you sharing the moments there. I saw the pictures and stuff. Looked like a great time. My little guy, like I said, he's just getting into it. You know, he's amazing too. Like he's every day, he just impresses me. He goes out every morning with the mitt and the ball. So I'm excited about my future with my little guy going forward and as far as his love for baseball and Little League. And, uh, you know, we live here in New York. I haven't been up to Cooperstown yet. Um, but I know that trip is coming up very soon, sooner than later, and it's going to be, you know, a lot more meaningful as it has been for you uh, with your son, you know, um, because it it makes it that much more special being up there, obviously, when your your son is either playing in the game as much as he has and and just loves and appreciates the game as much too. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully having that story to tell a little bit myself. As you have. Um, So I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's uh, just a great trip. Well, and the other thing too, Paul, I think, you know, as a as a sidebar here is two dads who are watching our boys grow in their love of the game. I think the reason we do line drive radio is because we love baseball, right? Mm-hmm. We love talking about the game. We love the the intricacies and the nuances of base running and pitch selection and uh, and and everything that goes roster construction. If you've listened to this entire show, we spent an hour talking about how teams are going to have to make decisions and business and everything else. We, we're passionate about that part of the game. But I think as dads, you watch your kids play the game. And, you know, I played a lot of sports growing up. I have three in high school and football in college. And there's a lot, there's so much more that you get out of sports beyond just that passion for watching the game as a fan. And 
watching these young guys develop leadership qualities and battle through adversity and develop relationships with each other that'll last well beyond, you know, a, a two or three year stretch of travel baseball. Um, you learn so much from the game. And I think that's where his dad's, the real takeaway comes in is you, you enjoy talking about the game with your kid and going out and throwing the ball around until your arm falls off. And in my case, you got to go get a cortisone shot a couple years ago. Um, <laughs> but uh, you enjoy that part of the game. But I think watching him develop the relationships and learn about himself and fight through really hard times and deal with frustration and enjoy the highs and the lows and celebrate with his teammates, you know, those are the memories that are going to last forever. If you strike out three times in a game, it sucks, and it's going to be a hard night. But you forget if you were, if you if you hit eight home runs in nine games like Declan did, or if you struck out a ton, you know it. You don't remember that as much as you remember eating pizza at midnight with the guys yeah, in the bunk, absolutely, and man. Hanging out in the pool and all mm-hmm. the road trips that you went on to Indianapolis or Iowa or Milwaukee or in this case Cooperstown, New York. And so the, the the real, I think, the next level of really joy that we've been able to experience as dads and will continue to do so is watching our boys grow up and how the game plays a you know a role in them developing in the young men. So um, I think that would my biggest takeaway from the week wasn't that we beat some really good teams. We beat the pants off of the team that ended up the runner up out of sixty two teams. Wow! And we ended up I think somewhere around top sixteen overall. That's fantastic. Um, had a really good week and all the kids played really well, but, um, but my biggest takeaway was watching these kids, uh, grow up and develop, fight through some hard stuff and enjoy the highs and deal with the lows and pick each other up, uh, and really be great friends to each other. So, uh, as a dad, other than the baseball part and, and just being a complete nerd for the game and Cooperstown and everything that that brings. As a dad, you know, it, it, it definitely pulled on my heartstrings. So uh, if you want to read a little bit more about that whole experience, we'll, we'll throw that Bleacher Nation link out uh, from the LDR handle here this weekend. But uh, it, it, was, it was really incredibly special, and it could have happened anywhere, but it happened just outside of Cooperstown, New York, and it was something that my kid and myself and I think most of the teammates and families that were on the trip will never forget. Good stuff. Well, us fellow New Yorkers, we're very glad to have you there, Mr. Bamford. I'm glad you enjoyed our, our fine state. Oh, your, your, uh, your sales tax revenue got a, a, a healthy <laughs> chunk from me. But uh, your, 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 your boy uh, got after it. In fact, I'm wearing my, uh, my one Mini Minoso purchase uh, from the trip Uh they, they, the Hall of Fame merch is next level. They do such a great job with the merch. Uh, and your boy El Gordo here decided that instead of the White Sox jersey of Mini Minoso, which apparently half of the team bought, gorgeous, um, I went with the New York Cubans oh. Mini Minoso jersey. Uh, and so uh, that's one of the, the few few things that I brought home. My kid had two backpacks full of crap and a couple bats that didn't fit and everything else. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you want to spend a lot of money on baseball-related stuff, go to Cooperstown. If you want to enjoy the history of the game, go to Cooperstown. And if you want to have one hell of a memory 
uh, or collection of memories uh, of a really special time with your kid or kids uh, and their friends, uh, go play ball in Cooperstown. There you go. There you go, baby. There's you a don't sales need, pitch for Cooperstown yeah. All-Star Village. You don't need the I Love New York uh, travel uh, promotions here. You just need Tab Bamford. Get out there. Get up there. I'm going to go up there. I got to go up there. I'm a resident. I got to get up here. But uh, great stuff. All right, Tab. Um, let's wrap things up with a a fantasy ad of the week here. It's a little, a little something here because uh, as much as we, we love to talk baseball and tell stories, um, and, and, and real quick, I was up in Cape Cod there last week, and, and the Cape Cod Baseball League up there is world famous. And let's we'll oh, touch on that here coming down the road. Um, wasn't able to catch a game, but like I said, I don't want to get into another hotel spin here conversation, but we've we got to swing back to it because a lot of great yeah. players come out of that league up there in Cape Cod. So uh, really cool stuff. But um, let's wrap things up here with a little uh, fantasy on because, like I said, outside of stories, talking the game, we like to make people some money here on Line Drive Radio. So yeah. uh, get your pens and pads out. And, uh, Tab, take it away. What do you got for us this week? So in most episodes of Line Drive Radio, we offer up a specific player who is playing hot right now. And if you have injuries or, uh, you know, issues to deal with with your roster, somebody who's underwhelming, you got to cut ties at some point here, got to make a deal. Uh, we look for one of those guys that isn't owned in a lot of fantasy leagues that could benefit you. But this week, we're going with a general concept for our fantasy mm-hmm. ad of the week. Uh, there is a, a saying in sports that uh, I heard a lot in Cooperstown uh, and coaching and have said a lot in, other, in every sport that you coach. And I'm sure you've said it as well. And that phrase is, next man up. Nice. Your fantasy ad of the week from Mind Drive Radio is a, a question uh, that you can answer as, as you watch things play out, and that is this. Who is the next man up after the trade happens? So one specific example that I'll give is the Chicago Cubs are obviously shopping a number of different players. Uh, the young guys like Christopher Morrell, who was one of our fantasy ads of the week earlier this year, probably isn't going to go, but Ian Happ could very likely will, uh, if you believe what people are saying. And when he goes, it looks like Christopher Morrell is going to get a healthy amount of run in center field the rest of the way. Wilson Contreras, probably going to be traded. Jan Gomes, a veteran catcher, uh, who's had limited action thus far and who's only on 2% of Yahoo Fantasy rosters, veteran who's got plenty of experience, he would probably slide into being the almost everyday catcher for the Chicago Cubs. So if you've got a catching situation where you're like, I don't know what to do. I got an injury. I got a guy who sucks. I drafted McCann. Oopsie daisy. He sucks. What am I going to do here? And you need to replace him. Maybe a guy like Jan Gomes is a shot in the dark. Uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, a lottery ticket, if you will. Again, mine didn't win. So here we are still recording and I'm still living in the same house. Driving the same car. <laughs> um, not that I'm disappointed in not having, you know, a billion dollars coming my way. But, you know, it would have been nice. This week's Line Drive Radio Fantasy Ad of the Week is the next man up. If, if there's a situation where, especially position players, it's a little harder with pitching, uh, but position player-wise, when a player gets dealt, like Andrew Benintendi going to the Yankees, which we'll talk about that next week, because if you're at the Kansas City Royals and he sits out every game that you got to be vaccinated in the state or country to play in, because he doesn't feel like getting the shot. And the second the Yankees come calling, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll get the needle. Like, what the hell is that? Like, what? why didn't you do it for us? <laughs> um, 
if it's like that much of a choice, like, oh, well, the Yankees said I have to, so I'll do it. Um, like, go to hell. Anyway. Um, there ain't nothing so, like coming to the Bronx, baby. Why do you need me to drink? Why do you need me to take? I'm there, buddy. Let me put the pinstripes on, buddy. The last time somebody got the needle real quick when he went to New York was A-Rod, but that's a whole different story. Um, oh, oh, nice. You're welcome. Speaking Love of people, it. Speaking of people not going to Cooperstown anytime soon, <laughs> huge tangent. Um, anyway, next man up is this week's Line Drive Radio uh, Fantasy Ad of the Week because in a lot of these situations, a guy gets dealt like Benintendi or eventually a guy like Wilson Contreras, and somebody's going to get a lot more reps replacing that person. So as you see depth charts evolve as we get to and past the trade deadline, keep an eye on who, who's filling in for the guy that just left town because there could be some really good value in some of these guys that are now going to see their opportunity uh, increase dramatically in the coming weeks and months ahead. So this week's Line Drive uh, Radio Fantasy Ad of the Week, next man up. Next man up, baby. I love it, man. Love the take. We'll see what happens. All right, buddy. With that said, we'll find out who the next man up. The next men up. Lots of guys. Hopefully. We all want lots of trades. We want things just moving and shifting and shake things up here. You know, they say baseball is a slow game. Some people who don't really get it. So it's boring and stuff. With a tip well, of the cap to the Hartford Whalers, I think we want a brass bonanza. Ooh. Love it when you get the hockey stuff in there, buddy. Love we it when want, you get we- what, what did I say last year? Embrace the chaos. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. It's coming. And we're gonna we're definitely gonna be talking about it next week. So um looking forward to it. All right, so before we uh turn off the lights, turn on the sprinklers, shut down the concession stands, lock the gates. It's time to say goodbye, everybody. And we want to thank you guys for hanging in there with us. Like I said, we took a little break, but we're back. Looking forward to the upcoming shows and the rest of the season. And um, keep following us out there at Line Drive Radio, and uh, follow me and Tab on the on the Twitter. Our personal accounts are there, so we're always uh, giving and gabbing on the on the Bird platform. Still rolling along there. The good stuff. We're on the good side, right, Tab? We're on the good side of Twitter, so uh, you can find some good stuff there. So with that said, Tab, please say goodbye to the folks. Well, folks, uh, most of your baseball seasons, like my sons, have probably come and gone, but you've got a chance to still go out and see a major league game, a minor league game. Go see the prospects that your team is acquiring at the trade deadline. And you know what? Just because your season's over doesn't mean you can't grab a glove and a ball and head out to the yard and, and, and throw the ball around with your son or daughter. So uh, keep loving the game, and we will be back next week embracing the trade deadline chaos and whatever the Major League world gives us in the next four days. Wahoo! Can't wait, baby. All right, folks, a tip said get out there and play ball. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. 
Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.